What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is a special one. We have some breaking news. A group of investors that includes Gary Vaynerchuk and Daryl Morey have closed on a deal to acquire Crawley Town Football Club, which currently plays in English Football League 2. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of questions, so I sat down with newly minted club directors, Preston Johnson and Evan Smith, to discuss it all. How much did the club cost? What is the plan? And so forth. I really enjoy digging into the details here, and I hope that you enjoy it too. But before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a 24-7 personalized fitness wearable that's here to help you improve your recovery, sleep, fitness, and health. It's the one tech product that I wear 24-7. Here's how it works. Each day when you get up, Whoop gives you a recovery score based on your sleep, resting heart rate, respiratory rate, and heart rate variability. Your score lets you know how to approach your day, whether you should push yourself during your workout or activity, or if you should skip the gym and take a rest day. You wear your Whoop on your wrist, bicep, or now within one of their new smart clothing garments called Whoop Body. The band connects with an app on your phone, and it automatically measures your heart rate, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. The band also automatically detects and classifies your workouts, so there's never an issue in forgetting to press go on a run anymore. You can then analyze your activity levels in the app. There's also a ton of coaching features within it like Strain Coach, which gives you target workout exertion goals tailored to your body's recovery level for that day. Those goals change over the course of the day, depending on how active you've been. That coaching is where Whoop really shines. Whether you're interested in how CBD or alcohol impacts your sleep and recovery, or you're just wondering how long of a run you should go on, Whoop is there to provide you with personalized data to make sure you're aware of the impact these decisions have on your body. And Whoop is now offering 15% off their new Whoop 4.0 right now with the code Joe at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and enter Joe, J-O-E, at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is Underdog Fantasy, the easiest and best way to play fantasy sports. Join a league and draft a team in minutes. They make it that easy, and yes, that simple. But if you'd like to spice things up, try their new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile app. Just pick between two and five players, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. Go to underdogfantasy.com and use code POMP. That's P-O-M-P, POMP, and get your first deposit doubled by Underdog today. All right, let's get into this episode. Joe Pompliano runs POMP Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of POMP Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, everyone. I have Preston Johnson and Evan Smith here today. They have exciting news. They, along with myself as a small investor, are buying a League Two team in European soccer, Crawley Town FC. Evan, Preston, thank you so much for joining me. How are you guys? Doing well, Joe. Thanks for having us. I wanted to just get it off my chest immediately. I am somewhat involved in the project, right? You guys are going to be running this day-to-day, which is why I've asked you to come on and kind of explain exactly what's happening. I'm imagining at this point, the news has been released and people have a million different questions about exactly what's happening, why you guys are trying to do this and, and what the future looks like. So Evan, maybe we'll start with you and just like, how did this concept come about? Why did you guys want to do this? And, and what ultimately is the goal? Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, we were both 
actively involved in different NFT communities. And we saw that there's a ton of passion that builds with people gathering online. And we, we both kind of thought, what if you tried to apply the same concept to a sports team where rather than using geography or location to be the, the thing that binds fans together, you try to build around a digital community that, that meets online. And so we gathered a bunch of different and influential people in the NFT community to get together to raise the money. We, we've tried to have a decentralized ownership approach, and then we're trying to build a you know, community-based team that combines and respects the history and heritage of the 126-year-old club we just bought with the kind of forward-facing digital first nature of people who are super into NFTs. So that's kind of our goal. And it'll be a hell of an adventure to try to pull it off. And Preston, I don't know if Evan came to you first with this or vice versa, but like, what was your original thought when, when this oh, came he, up? he came to me first. I won't take the credit for it because so my background's in sports. I was uh, an analyst for ESPN for a few years. Then I went basically full-time prioritized Web3 last year started Punk's comic and Pixel Vault with Sean Guerin. And so Evan came to me because I had somewhat had success in Web3. I knew sports. He knew I would just get it right out of the gate. But honestly, what one of the main points that he's always told people just over this process of acquiring the club is, you know, a lot of the NFT projects and communities, there's nothing actually there outside of you talk about the floor price, maybe you get a hoodie or you might have a guy or a girl in Decentraland, a character, right, in two or three years. So we're like, well, if you actually have a sports team to build a real life digital community around, that's already a lot more than exists. And so there's, we figured, you know, we, we got to make this happen. Everyone was talking about on Twitter whispers of, oh, we got to buy an NBA team or we got to buy the Broncos or whatever. Like, well, let's, let's do something. EFL2 is a good league to start and promotion relegation, the way that it works in England is just beautiful. So we're excited to see if we can make something happen there. All right. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Let's like set the stage. I'm sure some people listening to this have a very good understanding of how the structure works, but I'm sure some people have absolutely no idea. So how does this work? League Two is obviously not the Premier League. How do you get promoted? How do you get relegated? And just the overall structure of the team today? Yeah, so basically, the reason we chose EFL Two is it's the bottom of the English Football League, but below that, you get into something called the National League. So the Wrexham, the project that Ryan Reynolds is doing, that's at one division below. And so one in 24 teams gets promoted from that division. So there are two divisions, and each one has 24 teams, and one team goes up. So it's really, really, really hard to get out of that level. Less than 5%. Yeah. So with the level we're starting at, four teams get promoted and only two go down. And so you have a much better spot to get started, to experiment and to learn. And really, that's what we're going to have to do in a, at hyperspeed, because we want to, given what people's expectations in crypto are, we're going to want to really move fast. And so that's uh, that'll be quite interesting to be learning on the fly. And I'll say, like, already we've learned a ton just from, you know, doing... I've never, never been a part of an M&A process before, which is effectively playing kamikaze with a bunch of psychopaths. And, and so you just have to... Because you have mutual destruction if you guys don't go through with the deal. So you have to, like... The amount we've had to learn so far has been tremendous, and I imagine next year will be even more, and that's kind of half the fun. I had Mark Lore on the podcast, Mark Lore, a few weeks ago, and he joked, he said that himself and Alex Rodriguez, when they bought the Timberwolves, they were just coming off the sale of the, the Mets, and they missed out, right? Obviously, it got sold to, to Steve Cohen. And they were reeling a little bit, kind of upset, trying to figure out how to regroup themselves, and maybe they'll go after another baseball team. But they really had their eyes set on baseball because of A-Rob. And he says they got a call out of nowhere from a friend and they're like, hey, the Timberwolves are up for sale. Do you want to meet with Glenn Taylor and his wife? And him and A-Rod said, yeah, sure, we'll take the meeting, no problem. But they went into it thinking like, this is nothing. They left that weekend with a deal done. 
Basically, the tailors told them the price and that was it. And he was like, we closed like a wow. week later. I'm like, that is amazing because that's a $1.5 billion team. And this is not. And this took probably like, you know, Preston and Evan, you guys are much more involved in than I've been <laughs> 100%. But in my vision, like this has taken much, much longer than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know how that's possible after what we've been through the last six months. When you're a billionaire, you don't care nearly as much about a million dollars there, a million dollars there. <laughs> yeah. They also probably, the Timberwolves probably keep their records not on paper, but actually on computers. So, you know, there's a big advantage yeah. for the due diligence, I would imagine. Yeah, it's been quite an interesting journey to date, you know, but like, let's talk about the team we're buying, right? It's kind of interesting. Like they, one of the complaints was they, they don't have enough soccer balls. That was not something I expected to run into, to be honest, was that we like, so they told us that and they were like, yeah, we only have 26 soccer balls. I was like, well, you guys have, what about Amazon? If you guys like check that out, because like we could just fucking solve this right now. I'll get like 70 more soccer balls today. And so, you know, the state of this team is like one that's just it's been neglected. It hasn't been loved. So like on top of all the new stuff we're trying to accomplish, we, we, we're just trying to shore it up and improve what's there. They don't currently make money on the alcohol they sell on game day. I, that's like all right let's pause here right because there's a lot of <laughs> questions already and you've only been talking for a minute there i want to talk a little bit about the team today which you're doing now and then we can get into what you guys are going to do in the future to hopefully enhance the value of, of the team and the franchise so why don't they have soccer balls like do they have cash oh. <laughs> yeah they, they do now now that we bought the team you know did they have cash you know, so I think the pandemic was pretty rough, but this is the smallest team in EFL too. So, you know, they've been fighting an uphill battle, just staying in the league as is and, you know, overperformed with the smallest budget. And so our hope, you know, this is a, like I sometimes say to Preston, 700 something, 727, I believe, season ticket holders, 126 year old club. This is 120,000 people in this area. They've, they've gotten ravaged by COVID because many of them worked at Gatwick Airport and lost their jobs. And so, you know, for us, just going in and just investing a little bit in the in the community and the team is going to have a big Im improvement to begin with. But it's kind of the perfect playground to to try a bunch of stuff out that we're really excited to to see if we can pull off. And what's going on with the alcohol? Why aren't they making money? <laughs> you wouldn't believe. We'll tell you later more specifics. But they just look. They they aren't sharp enough on the financial side of how they can maximize regular streams of revenue and income and. Considering we're coming over there and that's going to be the question on the other side of the pond is what do you guys know about running a club or a franchise? There's some really basic stuff, low-hanging fruit, like making sure we capitalize on alcohol sales or making sure that the manager has enough soccer balls to train his club, like his footballers. It's kind of eye-opening actually for us. And, and you know, we're kind of humbled to some extent too that we get this opportunity now to get a rejuvenated organization and club uh, to another level. I just want to add one thing to that, which is like, on the one hand, starting with such a small base has its challenges, but the good side is there's a lot of totally fair consternation about how are we going to blend the history and heritage of a community while looking towards a totally new community for growth. With only 727 season ticket holders, we're actually going to try to speak to all of them, which is a pretty cool thing to get to say. And that's not like, you know, have a YouTube video and then take some Q&A, like we're literally going to try to have like 30 person sessions, you know, and do, you know, 24 of them over the next few months so that we can literally talk to every single season ticket holder and explain what we're doing and why and, and, and why we think it will give Crawley Town, if we're right, the best chance they've ever had to really move up the ranks. Because, you know, the, the current community 
just couldn't sustain a much larger club. But if we're able to bring in quite a few new people, like we, we should be able to outspend a lot of the, the rest of the competition in the league. And that's what's so exciting about the promotion relegation aspect of this. So I love that you're going to attempt to talk to about a thousand people, right? Personally. But I would say that I imagine the other 119,000 people will have an opinion also that live in the city, <laughs> even if they don't attend a single game or they don't have any involvement with the club. In my mind, right? Like, I'm sure you guys have, have faced this much more than anyone else, but there's few things that people care more about than their local club, especially in Europe, yeah. right? These, these, uh, these <laughs> soccer or football clubs. And to see not only Americans, but Americans come in and do something that's different, that hasn't been done before, I imagine that that's probably a little bit out of their realm of what they imagined. So I know you guys have both been there. Preston, I think you've been there twice. What's the feeling like? Are you guys worried about how it's going to be perceived? Have you gotten pushback already? What's just the general feeling of what, what the community is saying? Well, as before press, Preston speaks to Crawley specific, I just want to say, you know, we've been welcomed by total open arms from the British press. They've had nothing negative to say about us at all. And the first takeover went off without a hitch. And I can't imagine that we'll have any pushback this time either. Really- <laughs> For people that are hearing about this story the first time, there is a little bit of sarcasm in that comment. <laughs> No, it's look, Crawley Town specifically, I haven't spoken to fans directly yet, but I have been over there three different times now and spoken with the organization, the staff. We interviewed just about everybody there just to get an idea of where their heads are at. And honestly, somewhat surprised at how excited they were and rejuvenated they felt about new ownership coming in and kind of seeming like we're open to a lot of their ideas. And that's one of our main things is we're there to listen and learn. We have a lot to do, but they have a lot of ideas that have been shut down in the past in recent years because of budget restraints. We're hopefully going to be able to solve that and we're going to give them an opportunity to grow the club themselves. So it's you know a team effort. It's not just necessarily going to be us telling everyone what to do. So I'll add one more thing too. And, and, and Evan alluded to it. Like we, we talked to a few of the the staff members and I said, you know, what's like the narrative locally? What's the, you know, what's the story here? And they just said all of them at the same time that we spoke to, like, we're the ultimate underdog. You know, we are the smallest club in the EFL. It's been a rough couple of years economically here locally. And being able to be a part of that, I I think, is what excites me most ever since I I had those convos and spoke to the people that, no matter what, are diehard Reds fans, right? They're they're there for Crawley Town FC. Yeah, I I think, like, you know, this is hopefully going to be a pretty high variance bet that we're making. That's really the number one message we want to get across to Crowley Town fans, which is we want to do this with you. We want to make sure you have a voice in the process. Our instinct is to go for variance because that's the only way we're going to have a totally outsized outcome, which would be so exciting and fun, which would be moving up and growing. And and to do that, we really have to nail our messaging, branding and speaking to this new audience. And that's going to that's going to come with some pain points and newness for people who are used to just a local tiny club that they've been following for 126 years that's never been above League One. So how does it work with the money? Like, how do you get promoted, right? Obviously, Crawley Town is, as you mentioned, the smallest club in the league. They don't even have enough soccer balls necessarily to to play or practice. How do you actually get promoted? Well, the technical rule is that you either finish in the top three in the league or or you're in the playoff of a... Yeah, but like, what's your plan to do it? Well, we think that, you know, over any time horizon, money is like highly correlated towards winning high 90% like over a long time horizon. So the goal is to increase the fan base by um, kind of changing some of the branding and culture and and moving it towards people who are super into NFTs, to be honest. And the reason we're starting with them is because they inherently understand how what a virtual season ticket could be, 
how it could gate different choices, voting, intellectual property being shared by a community, doing community storytelling. And to to nail that in year one and then also have it be reflected in the style of play is going to be quite difficult because we have about half the team coming back, which is exciting. You know, the manager coming back, which is exciting. We want to institute lots of more analytics focus, but everybody says that. And then everybody runs into the same issue, which is how do you actually make that an organizational philosophy that's you know being used in training, being used in games, being used in, in review? And to nail that, I mean, Preston's going to be much more heavily involved in that than I am. So I'll let him kind of dig into some of the analytics side and some of the challenges we expect to, to face. But the hope is that by reaching a whole new audience, we have more resources and then we just deploy those intelligently. Gotcha. And Preston, so I think you mentioned it before, but you have a background in sports betting. You obviously do pretty well with numbers and, and, and sports in general. But ultimately, like, how do you think about this from a pure money standpoint? Like, obviously, there there's winning correlated with the amount of money that you spend. But is there a specific amount that you you cannot overspend? And how does that work? Well, that's a great question, because at some point, you're spending too much where it doesn't actually impact your win probability as often. So you can have to find what that sweet spot is. So for example, if we want to get into a little bit of detail, I think we've joked around about pricing this in the past with you, Joe, but you know, we talk, we've been talking with StatsBomb, who's helped us with some of the data and the analytics and structuring the club and going into this, this new season. We asked them like, what budget do we need in order to have you know, a majority shot at getting promoted into League One in the first season? And currently, you know, I think the club's at 1.3 million pounds as a wage bill. They said if we spent about two million pounds more than that, they priced it about two-thirds chance of getting promoted, assuming that we were tactically playing correctly and, and all of those things. And variance has to go our way as far as injury luck and those types of things. That's probably high. I think it's maybe more like 50-50 if we're overspending by that much relative to where Crawley Town FC had been spending. I think Gavin's a little more bearish than I am. But we, when you have that resource advantage and then a hopeful analytical edge, data edge, tactical advantage, at that level, there's a lot of opportunity. And so we, we think you know, we at least have a, a decent shot and shot enough that we actually are kind of wagering our positions as directors and, and owners to, you know, in the first two seasons to get promoted. And if we're not, we're going to open it up to the fan base to decide if we should be re-injected back in or if we should have someone else taking over. Gotcha. And this obviously is a decentralized ownership group in, in some structure, right? There's a bunch of different kind of minority ownership aspects, but it's still a corporate structure, right? You guys are going to be running the day-to-day and it's not necessarily a DAO. How do you guys envision the community being involved from like a decision perspective? Yeah. So I think the goal is to eventually make it a DAO, to be honest, but we have a lot to solve to get there. And what we wanted to do was capture the spirit of that which means that, for example, to set the budget for the transfer window, that's going to be a, that's not up to Preston and I, that's going to be a, like a vote among ownership. What we're going to try to do is figure out a few pretty high leverage moments for the fans to vote on. One of the things that's tricky is that, you know, with sports played in public, any edge you have, you want to kind of fiercely protect it in private. And so like, how do we maintain edge? How do we keep advantages while also trying to share and be transparent with the entire community. So we want to kind of identify what are the big moments that maybe can be opened up to the full community that aren't just like, you know, what color should we wear or something like that, that actually have an impact on the team and strategy and the part that everybody's most interested in. And solving that and testing that over the next year is, is like one of the big initiatives for Preston and I to solve. Gotcha. And how do you guys think about the reception of of nfts in general to the average fan i'm assuming most people haven't heard of it still right i feel like we live in these bubbles talking about me and you two specifically of like 
we probably interact with most people either own crypto or own an NFT or have some kind of affiliation to the to the industry at this point. But I typically have to remind myself like most people still have no idea what any of this stuff is, especially NFTs. Like maybe they've heard of Bitcoin at this point, maybe they've heard of Ethereum, but they have no idea how NFTs operate, what they mean, how they work, anything like that. Have you guys thought about like explaining this to community or is that kind of on the back burner for now? Well, definitely. I mean, look, I think that's quite a, that's going to be quite an explanation. I think one of the the keys for us is like, just to be clear, our goal is not, and our strategy is not to sell NFTs to current Crawley Town fans. That would be completely insane as a bet. Yep. Our hope is actually just to use them as a gating mechanism to build a digital community. So the challenge is how do we interweave that with the local fan and make sure the local fan is heard and, and an equal, if not much larger weighted member of our community, at least to start. So for some of those high leverage decisions that we mentioned, we have one, you know, we haven't definitely decided we're going to do, but likely we'll open up with and, and our plan would probably be to have a 50-50 vote between current season ticket holders and, and new NFT holders. So even though there will be hopefully quite a few more people who are in that new community, they won't necessarily have an outsized vote to start on the direction of the club. How much does a ticket cost to go to a Between game? Between 14 pounds and 65 pounds if you're sitting in their like hospitality section, which is like the suite. You get dinner before the match and then, yeah. Nice. Is the food any good? <laughs> we have opportunity there as well. That's one of the low-hanging fruit. We, we can upgrade the fan experience. <laughs> yeah, but that's no disrespect to who makes it now. She, she works really hard and is overworked and understaffed. Yeah. So the hope will be that that's another place we can invest and make the local community and local experience better. One of the things, Joe, that's been reiterated over and over and over again to us is that, you know, the remote fan wants the local fan to be respected and have a better experience. And that will lead to a better product on television, which will then lead to more investment, which could then lead to more people wanting to go. And so we can't just focus on one side or the other. We really have to improve the experience locally, create this new experience test, experiment, and make sure they're always connected to the best that we can. Yeah, I think about it, like when this news breaks, there's going to be people on two sides of the equation, right? Some people are going to be like, this is fucking awesome. And some people are going to be like, this is the worst thing ever. And they're almost going to put their flags in the ground immediately and just stay there, right? And it's going to be very hard to get them to transition just because of how they feel about the sport, how they feel about the community, how they feel about kind of the, the crypto industry in general. But ultimately, to me, right, you guys seem like pretty good dudes. I know your intentions with this. And it feels like you're basically trying to provide the team and the community with more resources. And if the club has to change a little bit to do that, sure. I don't think you're trying to change the tradition or the heritage or any of the actual like aspects that really matter to the, to the fans. But ultimately, if they're able to get more resources, like the chef is a perfect example, right? I'm sure she's a great chef. I'm sure she does a great job, but she probably doesn't have the resources that are required to do her job even better. And that's like a very small example. When it comes to the players, it's even more, right? If you can pay them more, maybe you get better players. Yeah. Maybe the quality of play improves. If you can get promoted, maybe you make stadium upgrades, right? So like there's a bunch of kind of different things that you can quickly see get better if you bring in a group that has the resources that can do that. Yeah, it's a, you pretty much said it better than we could. So that's the whole goal is that by increasing the resources and investing intelligently, you create a flywheel, which makes the entire experience better for everyone. Yeah. And I think the easiest way to probably explain it to the average person that doesn't follow soccer or the leagues in general is just like, in my mind, these are very regionalized fan bases, right? They're very local. People may know Wrexham because of Ryan Reynolds or someone may know Sunderland because of Netflix, but ultimately the smaller clubs are, they're just within that region, right? There's not very many fans that either didn't grow up there or didn't live there or don't live there currently. So what you're doing is you're basically opening up to this global community of crypto people and you're saying, hey, look, this is our team. If you're a fan of NFTs, if you're a fan of crypto, come and join our team. 
And then you open up all the resources, right? And you can get capital from kind of all over the world. And hopefully that drives better success. It's like, it's an asymmetric growth opportunity. You just nailed it a hundred percent. Like people who live near Crawley might root for Crawley, but 30 minutes away, there's another team that they're going to root for. Like they practice at a facility of a, of another team. Like there are hundreds and hundreds of teams within, you know, a small country of England. And so there's nowhere to grow outside of your local little community right now. And so if we have 7 billion people that we can go after with the entire internet, the entire world being where we're looking to get fans, we just, we just have such a, such a huge advantage if we're able to nail that. And where does the team make most of their money today? Is it ticket sales? They don't make any money today. I don't even know how to answer that question. They, they make like, I probably ticket sales. It right? probably is the right yeah. answer. It's maybe about half of what they bring in, but it's, it's not a ton. Yeah. Gotcha. And maybe let's talk through real quick about some of the things you guys are going to implement to increase revenue, right? Obviously the NFTs are one thing, maybe talk through kind of exactly what they're getting and then anything else, whether it's New Jersey's name on the arena or the, the pitch or field and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all connected. We want to sell NFTs to people who are into NFTs. We will then hopefully sell more streaming. You keep a large percentage of us the club. We're able to do that. We're hopefully going to be able to sell more advertisements to those people. So real quick, talk through how the streaming works, because I know you've told me this before, and it's super interesting around like how they do it today and how you guys are looking to do it. Yeah, I mean, this is tough. I mean, we're just running into the time component of July 30th being when next season starts. But right now you can subscribe to something called iFollow. That'll allow you to watch the games. I believe the clubs have an opportunity if they want to have their own streaming platform. And we're considering and looking into possibly doing that. But we're, again, running out of time. There's a lot to execute on. So whether we will have that this year or next year will be interesting. But all the way through championship, have the ability to kind of stream as an individual team and keep a majority of the revenue yourself. So again, if we're able to attract, work hard, and, and get people who are into crypto into this team, we should be able to, again, have outside streaming revenue vis-a-vis rest of the clubs in the league. Gotcha. And so Preston, in my mind, there's a bunch of kind of different subsets of NFTs, right? There's kind of more artwork stuff, and then there's more utility-based stuff. But the club, to your point earlier, enables you guys to offer some cool utility. What are some things around the NFTs that you guys are thinking of offering to- So I don't think we're going to get into every single detail yet with you, Joe. So I apologize for that. But um, people have seen, we, we had like a little teaser a while back during the Super Bowl there was a, a jersey or a shirt, if you're local to the UK, they call them shirts of, you know, Wagam United, the Chromie Squiggle on it. And we're going to try to make this, you know, a Web3 conducive and relevant fashion and digital fashion opportunity. So you can do NFTs that are uh, gated that you do digitally that you can claim. And, you know, when you burn the NFT, you claim you get a physical jersey, something like that. Maybe there'll be hoodies, scarves, maybe shoes or sneakers or cleats down the road. Like that opportunity for the apparel side to be capitalized on via digital merchandise is is pretty big. And we, we want to capitalize on that. And we'll have, you know, plenty of other opportunities through art and and stuff we've seen kind of done in the last year in the Web3 community as well that we'll implement. I mean, I'll give you a couple more concrete examples. We're going to definitely have voting that comes with being a holder. We're going to be able to do like in real life viewing events that'll be gated for holders. So one of the ideas here is that we're trying to have remote communities that are sprung up. And as we've seen already for some of the in real life events for NFT communities, whether it's Doodles at South by Southwest or Ape Fest, people really like getting together, networking, talking, meeting other people in real life who are super interested in all the stuff that's being built in crypto. And so one of the things we love about having a sports club is every Saturday there's a game, there's a spine to our story. And so we're going to try to get people together in different locations throughout the U.S., you know, throughout the season. Gotcha. And this may be a very 
simple question, I guess. I'm sure this is something that you guys will be asked by either fans of Crawley Town or people within the media or elsewhere. Like, Evan, you were a derivatives trader before you started messing around with NFTs and Web3. Preston, you were a very successful sports better and you had a job at ESPN, you know, on air doing the same stuff. And you guys have both ventured in this new world. But ultimately, like, why are you guys doing this? Right? Like, why have you decided to go buy the club? Why have you decided to raise money to do it? You could be doing a million other things. Like, what is the purpose for you? Are you serious? Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's not often that you get to run a sports team as a job, let alone kind of lead this total lunatic adventure. <laughs> so like to me, I kind of feel like I've got like person path fit right now where this is a total dream. It turns out to be an enormous amount of unknown work. But the idea that we could be sitting there on a Saturday a year from now sweating out whether we get promoted or not, it's like that's total once in a lifetime life adventure for me. I am not Mark Laurie. I do not have a billion dollars to buy an NBA team. So, you know, starting here with a bunch of people and having, you know, a personal stake in a team and, and, and watching with that personal stake is going to be an experience, you know, I probably wanted since I realized when I was five that I wasn't good enough to be a professional athlete myself. So I feel like for, for anybody who, you know, can't play themselves, the next goal is to be involved in the front office in some capacity or just involved in a team and, and just have that seasonality where each year is a, a new adventure. And that's incredible. So, yeah, that'd be my answer. I don't know about yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, outside of the obvious one that you get to run a, a sports franchise or a club in, in, in this instance, getting more, I guess, detailed, you look at the, and Eben's used this example plenty of times too, and we've talked to other people, but the Venn diagram of people in crypto and Web3 and sports is like a pretty big overlap. And so the opportunity that we have had or have here currently to bring that group of people, this audience, a sports team and we're hoping eventually a sports brand, right? Like, like that actually intrigues me. Like if I wasn't doing this myself with Eben and I heard about it, like it's just, I'm a sports fan, right? I've been in crypto web three. Like I want to be a part of it instantly. It's just where my hobbies lie anyway. And so being able to bring that and, and hopefully build with those people on top of it is really cool. And it's something that we really couldn't have done before this new technology and kind of digital age has come, come about the last year. Maybe I'm missing someone or not thinking about a project specifically, but I feel like I've heard about crypto and Web3 buying a sports team for a long time. And like, it's become numb to a lot of people at this point, but like no one's actually done it, right? I imagine this is really the first group that's actually like executed on it. Yeah, I mean, like, depending on how Web3 you think that real, whatever that is. Well, that's like a that's like a passion project in my mind, right? I mean, he's involving the community to a degree of like getting Bitcoiners to support it, but ultimately, like they're not voting on things, they're not actually deciding any of the other stuff. It's it's much more of like a dream and a passion of him because he grew up there. Yeah, that's totally amazing, and wish them the best of luck. But yeah, I think like when that Broncos news came out on CNBC, and people were like, "Wait, uh, you guys are doing EFL too? Someone's going to buy the Broncos?" I was like, "Look, if someone can get five and a half billion or whatever that it is that number was together among a bunch of decentralized people and do it, like more power to you. We've had enough trouble with you know a five and a half." Five, five million pound purchase ourselves. So like, you know, look, this is the first step. Hopefully we're able to do it. If we are, we'll take our learnings and, and maybe repeat it and do it in other sports and other leagues. And that'd be super exciting as well. Well, one of the things I'm interested to see specifically with this project is like, in my mind, decentralization and like the DAO concept can be really beneficial, but ultimately like there's a reason why a lot of organizations are centralized, right? It, be, it provides a tremendous amount of efficiencies when it comes to not only decisions and all of that kind of stuff, but everything ancillary to that. 
And like the perfect example when it comes to the transparency of crypto is like, look what happened when they tried to buy the the constitution, right? They literally raised like 40 or $45 million. And Ken Griffin was like, oh shit, I see you guys have 45. I have 46, right? <laughs> and immediately, you know exactly kind of what's going on because everything's in public. There's obviously pros and cons, but I think one thing that's going to be interesting with this is like how that plays out, right? Maybe there's a transition at some point and maybe there's not, but ultimately I think it's going to be fascinating to see that transition and see if we're able to do it. Yeah. And I look like if we're not true to that vision, we're not going to be successful. So we have to really work hard to gain the trust of a bunch of people who are quite passionate about decentralization. And so that might mean that we do things that are suboptimal from a strategic standpoint, but make sure they align with the values that we're trying to create in our community. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. But a misalignment of values is going to lead to, you know, people think this is fake or this is this or this is that, and, and then we're not going to be successful. So we, we really do have to learn how to do that to the best abilities available to a professional sports team. Gotcha. All right, guys, I appreciate you guys so much for coming on here. I know that this is going to get released right after the news drops. So I'm sure people will have a million other questions and we might eventually have to do another one. <laughs> but if not, I hope that we're doing it again a year from now and Crawley Town is getting promoted because I would obviously be a huge fan of that. And I'm looking forward to seeing everything that happens this season. Uh, thanks so much for the time, Joe. We really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.